Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. This morning, we're going to be talking about one of probably the most familiar, one of the most familiar stories in the Bible, uh, and that is David and Goliath. Now, this is not the uh, first time I've preached a message on David and Goliath, and I have a feeling that it's not going to be the last, because this also is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, it's a familiar story for good reason, as you look at uh, the, uh, as you read just through these two chapters, if you just read through first. First uh, Samuel chapter 16 and chapter 17. There's just so many rich things in that passage. The Holy Spirit will, uh, will fire you up, I think. It'll get you excited about uh, the power of God and God's work in our life. It's about a boy at this point in time that's uh, later to become king. But at this point in time, it's just about a boy who puts his faith in one God and overcomes uh, all odds. He, David, is the ultimate uh, doing what can't be done kind of guy. In other words, when folks are saying, you know, can't be done, uh, David doesn't hear him because he's in the middle of doing it, right? He uh, has this way of just uh, <laughs> believing God and following the Lord. Uh, David is the son of Jesse. We studied just last week about Ruth. Uh, David is uh, what would be the great-great-grandson of, of Ruth. And uh, Jesse has eight sons. David is the youngest of the sons. And I'm just going to try and get us into the context here as we get into just a few verses in this chapter 17. But uh, David's oldest brothers are off to war with King Saul. And uh, they're fighting against the Philistines. David's dad uh, takes David out of the uh, feeding the sheep and following the sheep as a shepherd and sends him with some food uh, to check on his brothers, uh, to check on uh, news of how the war was going. Apparently, that's how you got your news back then, is you had to send someone to ask about it. When David gets there, there's a champion of the Philistines uh, by the name of Goliath, who had been coming out each and every day, defying God, uh, uh, challenging anyone, any one person that would come out and fight him, Uh, that when that happens, whoever wins, whoever kills the other one, the rest of the people would become servants to them. So if Goliath wins, the Israelites will become servants to the Philistines. If whoever fights Goliath wins, they will um, become their servants. And so when David gets there, this is what he hears. He hears Goliath uh, up there uh, uh, yelling at the people, calling them out, asking someone to come out and fight. And he finds all the, all the army of Israel is fearful and afraid. And again, some of our fears are not, not based in any truth, but I would say in this case that this was, he had good reason, they had good reason to be a little bit fearful. Amen. I mean, this, was, this is the ultimate risk. When you talk about risk, not only is your life on the line, that's one thing, when you could die... You go up against this giant who had been a warrior since his youth. 
But not only that, you would have on your conscience that if you die, that your legacy is that all your people, all your brethren, all your country, all these people are now enslaved because you lost. Because you're dead. I mean, that is about as high risk of a, of a situation as you can get. That all your family, all your friends, all your people now are servants because you got killed by this giant. And so when you look at this situation, you kind of step back and say, okay, well, this is a pretty, pretty serious situation. However, when David shows up, uh, he begins to just start asking questions. Like... Um, You know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's uh, chapter 17, verse 26. He says, in other words, who does this guy think he is? This is David, who the Bible describes as he was ruddy and of a fair countenance. Uh, He was fresh off the farm, if you will. He was just coming out of taking care of the sheep, and he shows up here uh, and says, who does this guy think he is? And immediately when he starts questioning, he causes a little stir uh, in the armies of Israel. Pick it up now with me in verse 28. Verse 28. And Eliab, his oldest brother heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. So David's asking these questions. Who's this guy think he is? David's older brother gets mad and said, Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left thy few sheep in the wilderness? Can you already tell that his brother's, uh, you know, kind of talking down to him like you left your few sheep, you know, your little shepherd. What are you doing down here in the army? What are you doing down here in the battle? He says, I know thy pride. And the naughtiness of thine heart, that thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. He's like, you're just coming down, you're nosy, David. You're asking these questions. You're just a child. You're being uh, getting in the way. And David said, verse 29, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another. That's probably the best thing to do. People are trying to discourage you from doing what you think is right. Just turn from them. Just walk away. And he turned from them to another and spake after the same manner and the people answered him again after the former. Uh, Saul finally gets word eventually that there's somebody out there uh, thinking about fighting this giant. And we find out as we read through the passage that Saul says finally a volunteer. Right? Finally, somebody that's willing to fight this giant because Saul didn't have enough faith to fight him. Saul didn't have enough courage to go out and do it. And so he calls for David. Look at verse 32. And David said unto Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. In other words, don't don't be afraid of this guy. Right? The servant will go and fight with the Philistine. David said, I'll go fight him. I'll go take him. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after them, and smote them, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I caught him by the beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Seen, seen, look at this. He hath defied the armies of the living God. 
David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. Look at this. He, God, will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Amen. Saul armed David with his armor. And he put a helmet of brass upon his head and he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go. Look at this. For he had not proved it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. The title of this, this morning's message is Prove It. Prove it. David said, listen, I, I'll go fight this Philistine. And when Saul says, here, you take my armor, take my coat of mail, my helmet, my shield, my, all my stuff, take my sword. Uh, uh, David said, I will not take these things. Why? Because I have not proved them. I have not used them. I don't know how they work. I'm not going to try and be something that I'm not. And I think in our, in our world today, we need some Christians, some followers of Christ, some believers that are willing to prove it. To prove it. Um, you know there is a difference between talking about something and doing it, right? We talk, say that there's a, there's a difference between talking about ministering and actually ministering. About talking about being in the Great Commission and the harvest and actually leading folks to Christ. There is a difference. There's a difference about talking about being a light to the world and actually being a light to the world. Talking about praying and being a prayer warrior. There's a difference between the two. Um, if we Sometimes we spend too much time talking about some of these things and hearing messages and doing all these things. And again, we need it. But many times we just got to go put it to practice. The only way we're going to know how to really do it and really prove it is putting when the rubber meets the road. When we go out there and start doing it. Um, I believe that we would start to witness some victories in our lives. We would see some... Giants fall if we had some folks rise up with courage in the midst of their brother. Wasn't that what David did? He was in the midst of his brothers. He was in the midst of the army and he rose up with courage. There was no one else around that had the courage that David did. And he stood up and said, uh, listen, you know, these, his brother says, uh, they, they, they talked down to him as if he couldn't, he couldn't war, he couldn't battle. David didn't see a scenario where he could lose. When this guy is setting himself up against God, Goliath was setting himself up against God. He's thinking, my goodness, with God on my side, um, they began to question his motives. David's brethren began to question his motives, but that didn't stop David. He rose up and fought for the Lord and for them against this Philistines. As we in, in, in the church as Christians would wake up kind of out of the slumber, out of the, out of the just comfort and become uh, people of faith, people of courage, people that are willing to prove it by using it. To prove something is to demonstrate truth by evidence or uh, one's ability, one's courage. Listen to this. By action or accomplishment. 
2 Timothy 2.15, this is a verse you hear me quote quite often. Uh, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, David was not willing to take this weapons of Saul uh, on because, because he had not proved them. David had some other weapons that he had proved. Look at, verse, uh, look at verse 40. And David took his staff in his hand and chose him, look at this, five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had, even in a strip, and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistines. Um, David was not willing to use someone else's method of warfare He wanted to use the method that he had proven. In other words, we call ourselves believers. We call ourselves Christians. But the the moment that a a giant rises up against us, we one, shrink back in fear, and two, we try to put on the world's philosophy. We try to attack the giant um, with somebody else's armor. Something that we haven't proved. He, he was, they were trying to put out Saul's armor on him. And he said, I will not do it. Because I have a weapon that I have proven. It's a sling and it's a stone. I've proven this thing. Uh, you say, why did he draw five smooth stones? Uh, he did not draw five smooth stones because he thought he might miss. David knew that he was going to hit what he was aiming at. Do you know what David knew? David knew when he went out there against this giant that he had the advantage because his stone had better reach than the sword. And this guy's standing nine foot something tall, right? Uh, he says, I'm going to use a sling and a stone. I'm not going to get close enough to this guy for him to get me, right? I know what I'm doing. I'm going to use the sling and the stone. You say, why did he draw five smooth stones? Um, in in, in um, 2 Samuel... Chapter 21, you don't have to go there, but if you read 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 15 to 21, you find that Goliath had four, four giant relatives. Uh, David's mighty men in 2 Samuel eventually took all four of them out. But you know what David was thinking? Uh, he's thinking, when I go up against this guy, uh, his cousins, his brothers, everybody else, there's four of them, they might come. David said, I'll take one for each of them just in case they get in trouble. Uh, David had proven that sling and that stone, and he knew that it was going to work. He knew that it was going to work. Take your Bibles, hold your finger in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and flip over to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. It's good to look at this. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. The Bible says, For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need milk. In other words, um, milk is for babes, and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is, look at this, unskillful in the word of righteousness. And he is a babe. Listen, when you first come to know Christ, and you're first born again, and the Holy Spirit first indwells you and begins to lead you and guide you, you're a babe in Christ. That's fine. 
be patient, be, be gracious with the babies in Christ, right? Give them milk, be long-suffering, be patient. But, but let me just say this, uh, the Word of God and God Himself does not expect us to stay baby Christians forever. And there is a little bit of your, um, your desire that plays a part in that. Like, you're uh, being intentional to grow in the Word. Would you agree with that? That you just don't naturally become an adult in Christ. That you don't naturally just mature in Christ. You have to walk in the Spirit. You have to walk in faith. You have to seek the Lord. You have to desire. In other words, there are times where there may be churches full of babies when they should be teachers. When they should be skillful in the Word, but they're unskillful. In other words, they don't know how to use the Word of God. They don't, they don't know where to find truths. When a giant rises up, they themselves can't say, here's the promise of God that I want to hold on to. Here's the truth. Here's the doctrine that God has laid out in my life. In other words, they're unskillful in the Word, but yet they've, uh, they, they, they've passed the time when they should be able to be skillful in the Word. Does that make sense? Look at verse, verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of a full age, even those who, and here, here's where it's at, even those who by reason of use. You say, how do you become skillful in the Word? Use it. Use it. You say, how, do I, how, do, how did David become skillful in a, with a sling and a stone? He used it. Man, he had, when he was out there with them sheep, he hadn't been playing with a sword. He hadn't been dueling. But he had took that slingshot, man, he could hit anything, I, I guarantee you. He's out there with them sheep. There's plenty of stones out there. He could hit it, and he knew how to use it. He had used his sling and his stone. You say, how are we going to become skillful in the Word of God? There's really just one way. There's no shortcut to it. Study to show thyself approved. Uh, get in it. Memorize it. Hide it in your heart. Uh, 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 read it, use it, apply it. There's just really no shortcut to it. And this is something that the Lord wants for us, wants us to grow in our walk and relationship with Him. He says, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, you become unskillful in the Word of God if you don't use it. If you don't use it, using it, studying it, teaching it, here's it. Here's 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 a key right here. Applying it, not just knowing it. There's a danger in 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 religion and Christianity of knowing things just enough to make you dangerous, but you're not applying it. Is that? Like you, like when we read something in the Word of God, it should challenge us, and we'd say, "Okay, Lord, help me to apply that to my life." That's that's how we use it. That's how we exercise it. That's how we grow. We become skillful. Uh, we want to be able to prove the Word of God. What what do I mean by that? Um, that we are skillful in it. That by we have uh, used it so much that it becomes part of us. Have you? No matter what trade you're in. Um, I, I believe that there's tools, right? Things that you use a lot. And the more that you use it, the more you become skillful in it, it becomes part of you. You're real comfortable with it, right? You know what it can do. You know its limits. You know, you know how it works. Uh, that's how Christians should be with the Word of God. They're skillful in the Word of God. And there's no shortcut to it. It takes study. It takes, he says, study to show thyself approved a uh, workman. 
He doesn't pretend like it's just going to come naturally. It's going to come through work. It's going to come through study, um, proving these things, finding that which was good. Not only had David proved his weapon, and we prove our, our sword, the sword of the, which is the Word of God, but he had, pro- he had proven the Lord. In other words, um, he says this, David says this, how can this guy win after defying the living God? Um, the Lord is on our side. The Lord is with us. How does this guy have a chance? You're back in 1 Samuel 17. Uh, look with me in verse 44. Verse 44, And the Philistine said unto David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowl of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with sword and with spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Who was David putting his trust in? Who had David proven? David had proven the Lord. He said, I'm coming in the name of the Lord, the host, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou defiest. He said, this day, look at this, David said, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hands. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee and I will give thy carcass to the host of the field uh, this day and to the fowl of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. Look at this. For the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And He will give you into my hands. And it came to pass as the Philistine arose and came to uh, draw nigh to meet David, David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. I mean, David wasn't afraid, was he? And he took off running at this guy. Can you picture this? The two of them coming together and David's running after this, running toward this Philistine with his, with his sling going. And David put his hand into his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell to his face to the earth. And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. David coming, trusting in the Lord. He had proven the Lord. I think of the Old Testament story of Elijah when all the people of God, the people of Israel, were fearful because of all the prophets of Baal. You remember this story? And the king Ahab and the queen Jezebel and everybody's going evil and everybody's going the wrong way toward false gods and all the people of God were standing there fearful and you know what Elijah said he says uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18 read that chapter uh, 1 Kings 18 he says how long wilt thou halt between two opinions if the Lord be God follow him but if Baal be God follow him and Elijah said let's have a competition between the one true God and the, and, and the gods of Baal. And you know what happens is they have the competition. Elisha proved God, and God proved to Elisha and to the people of Israel that He was God. Uh, sometimes we have to step out by faith a little bit to allow God to prove Himself to us. Um, it's, hard, it's hard for God to show us His strength and His power when all we do is try to live comfortably. When all we do is try to play it safe. When we're never willing to step out by faith and follow after the Holy Spirit. David says this in Psalms, a Psalm of David, Psalm 144.1. He says, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, 
which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. David knew this, that if the Lord was on his side, who could be against him? Uh, no matter how big Goliath was, no matter how strong the armies of the Philistines were, David thought, the Lord is with me, the Lord has taught me to fight, I go in the name of the Lord, and He will deliver. This courage that David had in God comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. You're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Just skip back one chapter to chapter 16. One chapter, chapter 16, verse 12. He says this. Chapter 16, verse 12. You know, Samuel's uh, anointing the next king of Israel. He's looked at all his brothers. That wasn't it. They called for David. Verse 12. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to, uh, goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. This is David he's talking about. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. You say, why did, why did uh, David have so much courage? Why did David have so much strength? It's because the Spirit of God Amen. was with him. Amen. When you have the Holy Spirit with you, the Holy Spirit, one of the results of the Holy Spirit is you become a witness, a bold witness. We see that in the book of Acts. That when the Holy Spirit is in you and working and we're led of the Spirit, uh, He'll give you supernatural strength. You say, what do you mean by that? He'll give you power uh, to be able to preach a supernatural truth, the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He anointed Him. Um, He gave Him the courage that we need. Courage, in this sense, is a confidence in God. Not a confidence in ourselves, but a confidence in God. You know what we need as, as Christians? You know what we need? We need to be brave. We need to be brave. You know to be brave, you have to prove it. Uh, we love to honor our military, those that have, have done uh, heroic things, and some of the, the greatest honor would be uh, the Medal of Honor, right? To give to somebody. Uh, you can't just think you're brave. You can't just think that you're going to be courageous. You have to prove it. You can't just say, wow, that person, boy, he just has her, or she has that, just that personality of bravery. No. Bravery is always attached to something. In other words, it's always attached to this was the fearful thing that they did not let defer them. They, they, they did not let stop them. That's bravery. That's courage. Is when in the face of all odds, in the face of trouble, that you go forward. Uh, a courageous, uh, courageous bravery does not mean that you aren't afraid. It just means you didn't let your fear stop you, right? It means that you didn't stop because of your fear. And we need some believers, we need some Christians that will say, I want to be courageous in the Lord. I want to be strong in the Lord. I want to be brave in the Lord. And every time I come up against fears, Lord, help me to push through it. Because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of the love and of a sound mind. I think of the verse... And 2 Corinthians, probably a good one for us to underline. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 20 through 22, he says this, For all the promises of God in Him are yea, 
All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes. And in Him, amen. So be it. Under the glory of God by us. Now, He which establisheth us in Christ hath, look at this, anointed us in God, who hath sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts, the Spirit of earnest in our hearts. In other words, you said, well, David had courage because he was anointed to be king and he had the Holy Spirit with him. Uh, yeah, but so do we. God has anointed us with that same oil of gladness that Jesus was anointed with. He has given us His Spirit. And I would say even one step farther, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came upon people, but the Holy Spirit in the New Testament indwells people. That's a difference after the cross of Jesus Christ. That's a stronger power. That's a stronger strength. That now we have the Holy Spirit that indwells us, that seals us until the day of redemption. So what I'm trying to say is, we have all we need to be courageous. We have all we need to not allow these fears, that these giants that come up against us of, of vice or trouble or circumstance or evil as they rise up against us, health issues, all these sort of things. I believe that by faith we can be strong and courageous and put our faith in the Word of God and the Spirit of God and go forward with a right spirit, with a right heart, and with the right attitude. We need men and women of, of faith. Men and women of courage. David had heart. Would you agree with that? I mean, that's what God loved about him, is that he had heart. He had a heart for the Lord. Um, sometimes, can I say this, we become too careful. Um, I, I, I've got a little exercise for us, that when we go forward, instead of, when we start trying to tell someone to be careful... Let's catch ourselves and tell them, be courageous. Instead of saying, be careful, be careful, be careful, you know, a lot of times it's like, everybody, be careful, pat everything, stop everything, no trouble, no, you know. But instead, that's not the right, I don't think that's the right thing as you read the scripture. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. God does give us, he gives us warnings. He tells us to, to beware of some things. But he tells us actually the opposite about being full of care. Full of care is anxiety. He says to Martha, he says, Martha, Martha, thou art cumbered about many things. He says, you're too careful. That's what he says to her. You're, you're anxious. He says in Philippians, uh, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication make your request made known unto God. In other words, don't be fully care. Pray. Pray is faith. Is it not? Talking to God. Don't be careful. Uh, instead of saying, uh, be careful to your kids, let's start saying, uh, be courageous. Take action. Instead of be careful, take action. Go forward in faith. Be brave. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord. It's a whole different mindset of how we look at things of saying, hey, be care- be, be courageous. Be strong. Uh, don't be so uh, trying to be comfortable. Why? Because when we step out by faith, we will see the power of God and the strength of God. I believe this. Much of our lives are hindered. Is it true or not that he says the just shall live by Faith. Now the definition of faith is that it's not sight. The definition of faith is you're going to have to have some trust because... Okay, let me say it like this. I hope I'm not jumbling stuff up here. I'm not talking about works. Like, that we serve God by works. I'm talking about serving God by faith. But you almost cannot disconnect the two. In Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, 
each one of those people, it says, by faith they, what? Did something, right? By faith they acted. By faith they moved forward. By faith they went against all odds. By faith they trusted God. Uh, I think of the definition of faith in Romans chapter 4, where it's talking about Abraham. It says, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God, but was strong in faith not considering his own body or Sarah's, him being 100 and she being 90, and having a child. Now, when you take yourself out of the equation of having a child because God said it and you just believe that the promises of God are true, that's faith. That no matter what, you know, no matter what happens, if God said it, I believe it. It can happen. No matter, I'm not putting myself in the equation, in other words. If God's in the equation, David was not trusting in himself to be alive. He was trusting in God. He said, God will give me the victory. God will give me the strength to be able to overcome these things. I believe that if we walk in faith, if we walk in faith, walk in the Spirit, we are going to have to be courageous. He's going to lead us. Okay. The Holy Spirit... Uh, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Be led by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That's New Testament verses. Uh, if we are led by the Spirit, then we are going to have to use faith. Because the Spirit is always going to lead us into things where we have to trust God. Would you agree with that? Uh, there's going to be stepping out of the boat experiences like Peter in our life if we're led by the Spirit. Again, this is not works-based, but action-based. When we, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels of Jesus Christ, he dies for our sins, sends up into heaven. The very next book in the Bible is the Acts of the Apostles of Jesus Christ, right? The book of Acts. In other words, now Jesus Christ is still at work, but he's at work through the Holy Spirit, and what happens? There's Acts, right? There's action. It's an action book. Do you know what the church should be? The church should not be a passive place, but an action place. We come together uh, uh, you know, to worship the Lord this hour on Sunday morning, but this should not be the end. Man, this should just be that firing up, that getting in the Word to get out there and get to action. The church should be at work. You know what was happening in the books of Acts? People were getting saved, and not all of them at church. They were getting saved all over the place, on the road, in the houses, in the places. People and they were not all. They, people were leading people to Christ. Churches were being started. Um, uh, people were being edified. Things were happening. Right? You say, how did that happen? By the Holy Spirit of God in the individual will cause us to go out, and there will be action. But action takes faith. Action takes. Courage. I mean to step out. You know, some of the best decisions I'm, I know in my life have been the scariest decisions. Like resigning my job. Like a couple things like that. Like moving to uh, Ohio from Pennsylvania. But some of the scariest decisions that I've made in my life when I look back are the best decisions. The most fearful decisions. But when you know that the Holy Spirit is leading you in it and taking you to it, Go in by faith. Listen, we as a people need to follow God. We need to follow God. And He will lead us into some interesting situations. 
We follow God. It's a whole different thing to be a people of prayer than to just talk about prayer. Uh, to be helping believers than just talking about helping. To be leading folks to Christ. Listen, Jesus tells us to go into the harvest. The harvest is white, right? Would it be crazy for a farmer to pray for a harvest when he hadn't sown any seeds? I'm just asking the question. Would it be, would it be crazy? It's crazy for us as Christians to be like, Lord, send us folks you know, to, to receive you. You know, Fill the church up. We want to see people get saved. We want to see your power. And he says, I've given you the seed. Put it in the ground. Is that not true? I've given you the seed. How much are you working? And again, I'm not talking about works-based. I'm talking about faith-based. But faith will cause us to proclaim the Word of God. It'll cause us to plant the seed. And so if we're praying to see folks accept Christ, but we're not working the ground, does that make sense? If we're not planting the seed, if we're not, uh, you know, taking out the weeds, if we're not putting down the water, then we're not really serious about it. We're not really serious about it. Because it's going to be proving it, not just talking about it, not just saying it. The Holy Ghost of God will lead us into some into some wonderful places if we'll allow Him. Two, two passages as we close. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he's saying, Christians, Paul's saying, Christians, brother, that's who he's talking to, present yourself to God, Right? Make a presentation. God, I'm yours. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. The next verse, and be not conformed to this world. Don't put Saul's armor on. Right? Don't put Saul's. Don't be conformed. Don't buy into all the ways of the world. But he says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may look at this. Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have to have some believers that are willing to prove it, to pick up the Word of God and become skillful in the Word of God, to be uh, proving God in their life. In other words, God is true, not because I heard He was true, but because of what He has already done. I can beat the giant because of the bear and because of the lion. I know God is real because of what He has already done in my life. Last time I stepped out by faith, it was scary, but God was there. Last time the Holy Spirit was leading me this direction and I got fearful, but I did it anyhow. Courage. Uh, God was there. He met me. He helped me. It was fruitful as a result of that. And we begin to prove it by doing it, by using it. In Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30, the Bible says this, And I sought for a man among them, God talking, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. It's one of the saddest verses in the Bible there when he says, listen, I was looking for somebody that would stand up. You know, you have a whole army of Israel and there was no one there that would stand up with courage except David, the boy, that stood up and said, listen, God can deliver. I would just say this for, for us as men and women. Would we stand up? Would we say, here am I, Lord, send me. I want to walk by faith. I want to... I want to uh, step out of my comfort zone if that's what it takes. And, and follow you, Lord, in courage, in bravery. I want it, Lord, to the best of my ability, will you help me not be a babe in Christ, 
but will you give me the discipline and the strength to become skillful in the Word of God so that I can use it to help others? You know there's a lot of giants out there that would like to destroy other people. You know what will you know deliver them? If you can come along with the Word of God and show them truth, the Bible says the truth will set you free. If you're skillful in the Word and you have a heart to help, you can help people be set free from bondage. Show them the good news of Jesus Christ. Would we be courageous? Would we be that church, a church full? You know what, you know what eventually happened? And I'm closing. What eventually happened with David is one person with courage, one person with courage will become contagious. You know what eventually happened? Uh, one, one boy stood up, courageous for the Lord. And eventually, there was around him David's mighty men. If you study David's mighty men, they were the greatest special forces operators that this world has ever seen. You study them. You say, why were they so courageous? Because he was courageous. My point with this is, if you stand up with courage and bravery in your home, it can become contagious. If you stand up with courage and bravery at your work, at your workplace, at your church, these sort of places, all of a sudden it can, it can become contagious. And one person stepping up by faith will cause another person to say, hey, God can deliver. God can help us. Listen, He is all we need. David said, listen, all I need is this sling that I've proven in my Lord because God cannot be defeated. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.